You're listening to Grassroots, www.innovationstudios.com. Welcome to another Q&A on the 8th of January 2021. How scary does that sound? Particularly for me as it's my 30th year in this crazy business of ours. Grassroots Music UK aimed at that kind of musician who walks into an empty venue and claps their hands to check the acoustics and then really doesn't make the most of them and cranks everything up to 10 and everything louder than everything else. And also to the kind of musician who knows exactly what I mean when I say two on stands. Oh yeah, many times walk into a venue, clap her hands. Yep, two on stands should be all right, lads. So that's what we mean. For those of you who don't know, that means that the vocals are going to be two on stands. We don't need a load of noise, let the amps do the work, etc. Anyway, a new year, but we seem to be in the same old place, don't we? We're still stuck at home, and those people who do this for a living, you still don't know what's going on any more than I know what's going on. It's all a little bit mad. But I hope you've had a nice Christmas. I had a nice Christmas, nice and easy, nice and laid back. Didn't do an awful lot because I couldn't. Couldn't see anybody, couldn't do an awful lot. Everything I did was online, and I am still teaching online and keeping busy. But thank you very much. I haven't seen you or been in touch with you since uh, the week before Christmas. So I'm looking forward to going through your questions that I've received a few of over Christmas and the New Year. And I don't think I'll waste any more time. I'm going to start with question number one. And this is kind of a question, but it's more of a statement from a good friend of mine, Simon Osborne, otherwise known as Oz, who's our drummer. Sent me a lovely email, Oz, and I appreciate that, mate. I'd love to to, uh, Kelly and the kids and everything. Um, Oz says, what makes a good bandmate? Well, there are lots of different answers to that, Oz. I suppose, really, um, what makes a good bandmate is being able to, to, to... Get what's best for the music without really letting things get personal. I think really it's the other way around. I think it should be mates who are in a band, really, because I think what's nice is to be able to socialise, you know, if you can, away from the music. But I think the quick answer is to be able to get the best out of each other without it getting personal. To be able to criticise or to be able to talk about... um, what the music needs or maybe what what you think would help uh, the song or, or the project you're working on without it you know, coming to blows or, or getting personal. Um, I think we've managed that, Oz. We've been, to get, we've been working together now for 16 years. Um, and we've always, we've always uh, in rehearsals, we've had fun. We tried to make it as much fun as we could. And at the times when it wasn't fun... We've had something in common away from the music as well. But there are two schools of thought um, with with this. It's really about if you're about to, to get the tightest band that you can possibly have, i.e. like the best absolute watertight musicians that you can have, usually um, there, there's usually a clash of personality or a clash of um, musical differences and things like that because everybody's at the peak of what they can do and everybody's really, you know, it's it's kind of already feels that they've done the best they can do with it. Whereas if you have people who are all still working at their instrument, and I mean that with all the respect in the world, you, you know how I mean that. I just mean people who are not too serious uh, enough about what they do that they can be, that you can talk to them, you can connect with them and we can 
talk about um you know particular drum patterns or you can talk to me about particular guitar patterns and i won't sort of go well i could play that standing up in a hammock you know um so i think it's what makes a good bandmate is uh, the chemistry um musical chemistry as well being able to respond to the nods and the winks and the kind of take it's that go on uh, during rehearsals and um yeah i think what makes a good bandmate is is being mates being able to coexist in a room because you spend a lot of time together um either in hotel rooms or on the road or in the van or sitting backstage and also on stage and um if you don't get on if you don't connect in some way it's always going to be difficult you might be the tightest band in the world but if you don't connect backstage or connect as people you're going to spend a long time pretty lonely stuck in the back of uh, your van or stuck in your hotel room doing your own thing and um I think that's the secret of it, uh, Oz, and to Gary and uh, Matt and uh, my brother Steve and all the boys in in Oasis. I've missed you this year because um, just that little bit of time, that little bit of blokey time, that little bit of um, banter and chatting backstage um, and sharing stories and sharing life experiences and things like that on the road is, is important. So musically, it's it's being able to accept and to give criticism without it ever getting personal um, and on a personal level it's it's great if you are able to connect either f- through music that you all like or songs that you all have an idea or if you're writing songs together you're able to find that little bit of chemistry but it doesn't always happen by uh, luck sometimes you have to work at these things sometimes you don't but um, Oz you're a great band mate and you have been for many many years uh, all, all of you are Um, and I've enjoyed working with you and I continue to enjoy working with you when all of this craziness stops um, hopefully we'll get together and play together soon which brings me to my next question Anthony Anthony Michael Brown he said do you have any advice for left handers it was a it was a longer email than that but uh, that was basically the gist of the question was do I have any advice for left handers Um, and Anthony did me some really good um comments about how difficult it is when you first learn as a left-hander he's when he first learned he had to turn another guitar upside down and you of course you've got the intonation problem you've got the bridge problem you've got the you know the 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 nut problem with the strings going through all of these technical things which i'm sure are a nightmare for left-handers my advice for left-handers is be left-handed that things have changed a lot these days from the days of paul mccartney who you know uh played left-handed guitar played left-handed and right-handed guitars and things like that and um although i still don't think you have the choices that you have guitar wise um i think right-handed guitar players have a lot more but it's a little bit like um if you if you pass your test in a manual car you have far more options on the cars you can get than if you pass your test in an automatic car and i, and I, I think it's just supply and demand maybe there are less left-handed players and there are right-handed players and and what comes with that is obviously the guitar manufacturers don't make as many for left-handed guitar players and they don't have as much choice now over the years i've had uh, a few um, occasions where i've taught left-handers and i don't know whether it's true or not i can only go on what i heard but when they came to me they said i tried a couple of teachers and they said they didn't teach left-handers i don't know if that's true um, or whether it was just a, a general idea that 
that's the way people see it. But being left-handed is not a disability or or anything like that. It's it's just a different. You have to think outside the box when it comes to working with them. I I always adopt the theory that left-handed people, and my brother is left-handed, um, think back to front. So it's kind of um, because they have enough, you know, things that they go through when they're writing. They I had I had a you know experiences of, of things like this if they're writing an essay or writing things at school one of my friends as well was left-handed and it, because he'd write in pencil he would be rubbing out what he'd just written because of the angle of his hand when he was writing because he's kind of right he's not writing away from himself he's writing against himself almost you know if you think about it um so it's, you kind of have to think left-handed so when I'm when I when I used to work with them and, and these days it's changed because uh, a lot of the books and 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 I'm sure there are books you can get and and websites and and YouTube channels and all that for left-handed players but when I first was teaching probably 25 years ago 24 years ago um the the young boy who I taught was left-handed and I found I had to write the write things back to front so which which kind of makes sense, you know. I'm not inventing the wheel here. I'm just saying it was something that I thought. What about if I draw the diagram? So the chord diagrams, you know, the dots where to put your fingers and things like that, were written back to front, um, and I found that that they were able to connect with it a lot quicker. Tab is still the same. Uh, obviously, musical notation, everything like that is still the same. But just any diagrams would be back to front. Um, other than that, it was a little bit like playing um, in front of a mirror. It was actually easier because they could exactly mimic um, what you were playing. Whereas when you're t- a right-hander teaching a right-hander, the neck of my guitar is to the left and the neck of their guitar is to the left. It's not like a mirror, but a left-hander, of course, it's like exactly like a mirror. So I found that left-handed uh, players would pick up the strum pattern a lot quicker than right-handed players because it was just an exact mirror image of what they were doing. Um, but that my advice to left-handers is is the world has changed a lot these days and um, with, with regards to guitars and things like that, there are a lot more options. I always think it's unfair that you, you kind of have to pay more for a left-handed guitar. I suppose it's... It, again, that might have changed, and I'm and I'm happy to be wrong on that. But I feel like being left-handed, you guitars cost a lot more, and I suppose they they can't as easily just have them um, coming straight off of the of, of the production line because they've got to change them around and turn them around and and things like that. And uh, although people like Hendrix, Jimi Hendrix, uh, I don't know whether it's true. I'm only telling you what I've read about him and, and the, the stories I've heard about him over the years, just literally took uh, a right-handed guitar and turned the strings upside down. And um, so all of the, uh, I don't know what the intonation was like, but literally just all of the bridge was uh, had to be sort of adjusted and all of the nut at the top, and I don't know what they did, but whatever it was, he just turned the strings around and that was it. And that's what a lot of people had to do. Um, my advice for left-handers is, uh, um, I'm sorry, that um, that things are not made as easy for you as they should be. That you don't have enough choices for left-handed guitars. That you don't, um, and that if that is true, that people are saying I don't teach left-handers. Well, that's wrong, isn't it? Um, so I'm, I'm guessing that that's a perception rather than 
somebody's opinion. And to be absolutely honest, my, my opinion on that is if they won't teach a left-hander, then they're probably not much of a teacher anyway, and you were better off coming to me. So there you are. <laughs> I'll, leave, I'll leave it at that. Anthony, thanks for your question, mate. Innovation Studios has all the tools you would need to bring your music to life. Get in touch to book a free consultation. This is our opportunity to chat about your music, listen to demos, and if you're unsure, find which pricing would fit you best. There are no hidden costs. Once a booking is made and price agreed, there are no further hidden charges. Our team at Innovation Studios are professional musicians, and we know that sometimes a recording may run into an extra hour or an extra day. Your original price will stand. Guidance that will help you make a great sounding album at an affordable price. www.innovationstudios.com Alice says, Hi Marcus, I hope you're well. What are the biggest changes in music at grassroots level over the last 30 years, in your opinion, of course? The biggest changes in music at grassroots level in the last 30 years? Um, probably the fact that there are more backing tracks and uh, things like that available for, for people to be solo singers. When I first started, you know, 30 years ago, um, and, and Ken, who I work with, Ken had a duo before that, and uh, back in the days of uh, drum machines and um, and things like that, but you had to be a fairly good musician. Um, well, this, this is going to sound bad, but you had to be a, a, a pretty good musician and have an understanding of how a band works in order to create your backing tracks with drum patterns, drum machines, putting bass lines on there and stuff like that. And also you had to have the resources to learn how to play those backing tracks through, you know, but this is before MP3 or CD or anything like that. So um, it probably would have been either cassette or DAT cassette or probably mini disc uh, originally um, towards the end of the, the 90s. Um, CD you know not really we want to use cd too much you get a full dance floor people jumping up and down so i never really asked him but uh how uh, ask ken harry um what he used but i know he used to sort of use i think he did use that for a while and things like that but what's changed in the last 30 years is that people who can sing um, can now just download a backing track, put it on their phone. And, and the other thing as well, in the, with the invention of the cloud and all of these things that have come out, you can be working somewhere and download your whole set for that night in 10 minutes and, and go out and work that night. Or if somebody asks you for a, a, request, a request and you don't play it, um, these days you can download the karaoke track in sort of you know less than a couple of minutes and have the words in front of you and get through it that way so people you you can be more versatile and you can give the people more of what they want but it isn't you know let's let's be honest um the live bands were the thing all the way through the 80s if you wanted to make music you were in a band simple as that really or, or you were in a, a duo that played live so you would be um you know maybe a drummer and uh a guitar player I've, I've seen a few duos like that a few cabaret um performers and things like that so it was very much a case of um you know if if you wanted to make music you played in a band and now if you want to 
perform and play in a pub or play in a music venue. You can use uh, your backing tracks, which, you know, Top of the Pops was always doing that. But, um, of course, these people were live with a band when you saw them live. So um, I I guess that uh, the biggest change in the last 30 years is that, uh, with all the respect in the world, because I'm the same, I go out as a solo as well, but you don't have to be a a band-style musician in order to entertain on a Saturday night. It's a good thing, because it gives more people more opportunity to be singers and to front a band or, or you know front a front a band in a metaphorical sense uh, and to entertain um but also i think um the creation of music and the 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 skeleton of music how you're building flesh on a bare skeleton when you're putting a song together and how 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 um each member of the band would bring a different idea to it and how things songs are created and how they're dissected and how um, I think is not as applicable these days because so many people can do it um, with uh, with the latest technology, which also when it comes to, to writing a song these days, you know, I've said before I can play. So I like to use uh, software where I actually can play, um, program, some of the drums are programmed, um, but the bass and the guitars and everything and the keyboards and the strings, all live, all played live because... I've been in a band and I know how, you know, how that works. The biggest change in the last 30 years, Alice, is that there are less live bands around now playing uh, covers. Um, and there are far more solo singers or duos um, using backing tracks, which are so much easier and so so more readily available. I mean, you go out and earn yourself some money on a Saturday night download your song in five minutes or spend six months in a band learning that song you know it's uh, simple mathematics but i think live music as we know it or as i knew it when i first started if i wanted to play a gig i had to have a band turning up with your backing tracks nobody was interested things have changed and they've changed in a good way people can earn a living so that's the biggest change alice thanks for your question this one comes from don and don says how have you kept busy over the last year since the COVID pandemic, Marcus? It can't have been easy for people like yourself. No, mate, it hasn't been. <laughs> um, I've kept busy by teaching online. I've kept busy by um, writing and recording. Uh, I'll give it a shameless plug, but um, 20 Forever came out in June. That was the, the third album by The Matching, and the new album will come out in February the, February the 24th. 2021 that's been recorded um and has been um basically recorded and, and mixed and just needs to be mastered and maybe just a few few um i's to dot and t's to cross before it comes out on the 24th of february but that's the official release date so the, the album is called lonely in the crowded room and it comes out on the 24th of february but i've kept busy um don by teaching online i've kept busy by um, writing, I've been writing on the working on the Men of Earth album with um, Arthur Arthur Noel, and uh, we've been working together doing that. And that's uh, again at the point where that's nearly ready to go. We've just got to put the vocals on that, um, and uh, we'll be working. But that's been a, another difficult project because we were able to get together, and then we weren't able to get together, and then we were kind of throwing ideas around online. Um, and having Skype meetings and Zoom meetings and trying to 
record bits and um but we've managed to get there and the vocals will be recorded in uh well this month hopefully and that album will be coming out asap really so i've kept busy with that project i've, I've kept busy with the matching album i've kept busy by teaching online um and I'm teaching in person as well when i was allowed um and also um, i've kept busy doing things that i should have done years ago you know painting decorating <laughs> things like that um yeah it's it's been hard it's not been easy for for lots of people and and um we don't know what's going to happen i think the music industry at the grassroots level will take a, a big hit because i think um a lot of these venues that that people like myself have relied on for years to to you know to pay me on a saturday night well they won't have the money and and i think Maybe I'm the last of the generation that's able to say I did this for a living or I do this for a living because I don't know uh, the, the the people who are coming through. I don't really know what's going to happen for them. I don't think there's going to be enough money in the business because I can't see that these clubs are going to be paying two and three hundred quid on a Saturday night, probably more than that. They're, they've got to recoup their losses. So uh, Sorry, I've, I've gone off the a little bit there, Don, but... Um, I've kept busy, mate, by just being involved in music. Just keep doing what I do. Music's a big, big um, hobby, and it's a very, very big genre. And you can teach, and you can uh, write, and you can just practice. I've, I did a few, also, I did a few shows um, on DVD that I sent out to some care homes. Um, just some, some of the some of the care homes that I performed for. I, I just now and again, I'd come in the studio, sit and set a camera up, set a microphone and guitar up and do an hour and send it off to them. I, I didn't go down the route of performing live on Facebook or anything like that. And, you know, great if, if that's what you want to do. I've got no problem with that. It's all good. Um, but it wasn't my... I don't need to perform. I don't feel like I'm desperate to do it. I, I like to get paid for doing it and I like to enjoy it. But now and again, I think um, you have to give a little bit of yourself and I do the odd video for some care homes which I sent out just so that I don't know if they played them or not don't know don't care just wanted to do something that was right you know so little things like that also I did some tuition videos for YouTube channel and um, all sorts of things Don I kept myself busy mate thanks for your question Jim in Canvey Island says <laughs> hi Marcus this is a great question I like this one are there any songs that you absolutely hate playing but you always end up playing them more than any other song. Oh, God. Yes, Jim. Um, Mustang Sally. Because it was the first karaoke song that I ever really did, and it was the first karaoke song that I ever really got a name for back in the day before the band. And I would sort of turn up and karaoke nights, and same as everybody else, I'll give us a song, and... Mustang Sally became one that I always did and um, followed me around and uh, one of those, just, just you know, through Basildon and if I turned up at these places. And I want to say a big hello to uh, Alan. He was known as Big Greg Allen. He used to, he was uh, Essex Karaoke. Um, but uh, he was really instrumental in um, helping me. Alan Buckley, actually, Alan Buckley. He was really instrumental in helping me and, and a lot of other people um in, um, he used to play all of the venues in Basildon and um, across Essex. Uh, he was everywhere, Essex Karaoke. I mean, he, he, he really did well. And, and we got to know each other, became friends. Uh, I've not seen him in a while. But um, 
and he would say every time I went, you know, he'd sing us a song, and he just I wouldn't even put my name down. He'd just call me up, and I'd do Mustang Sally, and and then the band came along, and I'd Mustang Sally was in the set, and then the duo came along, and Mustang Sally was in the set, and now the people that remember me say we do, oh my god, you know that song, and um, I, don't, I don't hate it. Of course, I don't hate it, but I am sick of it. Um, but I always end up playing it because of the reaction it always gets. Um, if you if it's going particularly well, you normally can have a lot of fun with it, and people can you can get some girls up to dance with you and do the ride Sally ride bits, and you can interact better with it. So it's a good interactive song. It's a good bit of fun. Um, yeah, but I mean, that, I'm sick of that. And, and funnily enough, believe it or not, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but um, Ernie by Benny Hill. I performed it for a bit of fun just a couple of times at the Walter Wall gigs and then I performed it um, at some of my solo shows and I've done it a few times since. And it it just, there, there are certain places I play where people say, oh, you're going to finish with Ernie. And I like doing it because it's, I don't think there's many people that have the guts to do it. But now I feel like, oh my God, you know, all of those years and I, all the rock things I did and all the fun I had and... And now people remember me for that. But look, if they remember me, I don't care. But um, yeah, look, it's Mustang Sally. Uh, honestly, Jim, I'm I'm sick of that song. <laughs> but but people always like it, and it always goes down well. Thanks for your question. Lucy from Billericay says, Hi, Marcus. I am starting guitar, and my fingers won't do as they're told. Do you have any suggestions on how I can get them to behave without telling them? <laughs> um hello Lucy all right um yeah it's muscle memory um you've just got to kind of play guitar without thinking about it without really um you know muscle memory is very much like if you think about a darts player or or a snooker player they they just know how much weight to put on and they know just how to to do what they do and then the guitar is a bit like that what you're doing is you're making a shape you're making your hand kind of form a fist or form a shape that it's never made. And it's really, uh, as we grow up, we learn how to point. We learn how to stick a thumbs up. We learn how to stick two fingers up if people annoy us. We know how to make a fist. We know how to do the victory sign. We know how to do the Dr. Spock sign. So it's just another shape that your fingers are making. But I like to do the uh, four chords, five seconds thing. Um, so you're playing on instinct, one strum on E minor, one strum on E, one strum on A minor, one strum on C. And what you try and do is go bang, 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 and try and play one strum on each of those as quickly as you can. So that it ends up being, let me just grab my guitar. So what we do, probably not even tuned, but we've got an E minor, an E, an A minor, and a C. And what we try, we try and do it without looking. First of all, so we need our hand to get used to the shape it's making. As soon as we look, we put a visual in there and we start thinking about, oh, it's that string and that string. But if we get used to the shape we're making now, the E minor shape, if you think about it as being the rock shape, you've got the two fingers kind of pointing down and the first finger and the little finger pointing up. So it becomes like a rock sign. For those of you who are now doing it as you're listening to this, hello. So there's an E minor. Add a finger on to make it E. Move that whole shape down. You've got to move it as a whole shape, like a solid block. For A minor, move that finger up for C. Let's try something like that. And you're looking to try and do four chords in five seconds. Which is about that. Let's put the timer on. Hang on a minute. Right, and uh, E minor, E, 
A minor, and C. Five seconds, okay? It's not as fast as you think, but if you do it without looking, and you do it, most importantly, without thinking, you will find that uh, that will hopefully speed you up. Then what you try and do is four chords in four seconds, and then four chords in three seconds, and then four chords in two seconds. And I won't even try and do it in one second, but it's along these lines. Okay? I'd advise try and do that, but the more you feel and the less you look, uh, you'll find that that will improve your uh, hands. You've got to get your hand used to. You're retraining the tendons in your hand. Now, how about that for getting technical? But that is what you're doing. You are retraining the tendons in your hand, in your fingers, to make shapes that they've never made. And you just thought you were playing guitar, didn't you? But that's what that is. So don't think about it as three separate strings. Think about it as a shape you're making and get used to that shape that you're making. Okay. Charlotte says, In rehearsal, I seem to find a really good vocal sound that I am happy with. But when I step on stage, I don't get the same results. Obviously, I know that nerves can play a huge part, but sometimes I don't feel nervous. I feel confident and calm but I still can't find that voice. Do you have any advice? Yeah, nerves are a funny thing. Thanks for your question, Charlotte. Um, sometimes it's... Um, maybe maybe in rehearsal, you don't hear it the same as you do live. Maybe your thought process is slightly different. Maybe something like that. Because performing live is is so different to performing in a, in a studio. And... Um, I think also it might have something to do with just nerves. Of course, you know that can be a play play a huge part of it. And even though you may not be, you may not feel nervous. You know, inside you could still be nervous. You could still have maybe a little bit tight. My guess, and obviously I haven't heard you sing, but my guess, even though you feel quite confident and you don't really feel that scared, maybe you are still a bit tight. I always think that uh, um, singing is about the the shoulders or performing just try and stay loose looser in the shoulders um you know pressure is something that sometimes we're not always aware of even though we might think you know we're enjoying this um and also sometimes you know charlotte it might be something different it might be the other way it might be that performing live the adrenaline takes you over and you push too much and you try too hard and maybe you lose a little bit a little bit of control over your voice because you get carried away i mean there's probably not a guitar player in the world who hasn't experienced that kind of buzz where you go to bend the string and you bend it too far because of the adrenaline that's running through your body. And your voice is an instrument and can be played like a guitar can be strummed too hard. Your voice can be pushed too hard because of the rush of adrenaline or the rush of of energy that's going through you. So I think there are certain things that you could do that would help. First of all, you've got to be loose in the shoulders um, secondly, I think maybe rehearsals just invite somebody to watch the odd rehearsal because that way, even though there's one person watching, it's a different thought process. You've then, you're not thinking about uh, what you're doing and how you're doing it. You're thinking about what they might be thinking of your performance. You know what I mean? Um, but it's a very strange feeling. I, I, you know, I'll tell you the same as probably any musician that you talk to, and that is that 95% of what happens on stage 
when you're creating a show is basically from what happens on stage. You play a, th- a few shows and then you think that worked, we'll keep that in. That didn't work, we'll drop that. In rehearsals, you're kind of going through the nuts and bolts of the song and you're going through making sure you're singing in the right places and the words are in the right order and stuff like that and you're not performing it. You're just kind of doing the nuts and bolts of it. When you're performing it, all of a sudden that's when the magic happens but you've got to be um, keep the control of yourself to allow yourself to be in control. I'm not saying that's what's happening with you, Charlotte. I don't know. Please email me um, and give me some feedback on this answer because I, I don't have really know you didn't elaborate on whether you were singing too hard or what was wrong with your voice but i'd really like to chat with you online so please you know uh, get in touch with me again and we'll have a chat online if i can help you i'll help you but i'm guessing that you're either losing control of yourself because of the rush of adrenaline which of course would make you fearless and, and would make you less frightened and would give you a real good feeling about yourself and build your confidence but it's not a real confidence because you're pushing too hard. It's it's the thrill of being um, on stage that kind of gives you the confidence and takes the fear away. But are you keeping in control of your voice? Is is your voice losing control when the rest of because of the rest of you being on uh, such a high from stepping on stage? So it might be that you are just trying too hard. And if you're trying too hard, then you'll be singing too hard. And if you're singing too hard, then you're losing control. And that's quite a common thing, and that's nothing to worry about with experience and with, um, and probably now I've said it, you'll probably be okay now. Not not because I'm, you know, because I've sorted it out, but just made you aware of maybe you are trying too hard. Think about yourself. Think about what you're doing and how it feels. Um, or maybe, maybe you you get a, a buzz from rehearsals and you don't get a buzz from live shows. I doubt it. My guess is that you're trying too hard, and and you're losing control of your voice um, because of the adrenaline rush. That's my guess, Charlotte. But look, I wish you well, and I really, really do um, mean what I say. If you want to email me, please email email me, um, innovationstudiosuk at gmail. Um, set up a meeting on Skype. Look, I'll have, I'll have a cup of tea, 10 minutes, chat to you. You can sing me something, you know, and we'll see what, we'll see what we can do. But... I think it's probably the answer is something really simple. I don't I think if you can sing in rehearsal when you can get that result that you're happy with, it can only be adrenaline or it can only be fear. And I as you say, sometimes when you're not frightened, you know, you you still don't get the results. So I think it's probably losing control of your uh voice because of the excitement and adrenaline of performing live. That's my professional opinion. But that's all it is. And I really wish you well, Charlotte. Thanks for your question. One last question for today. As a matter of fact, I'm going to squeeze two more in. And Craig says, I am a singer-songwriter. I perform at open mics and I enjoy it, but my family aren't that supportive and tell me to get a proper job. Can you convince them that I am doing the right thing? LOL. Craig. Um... mm. Well, first of all, you're following your dreams, okay? So that's a good thing. Secondly, you're creating music. I'm assuming that you're, you know, if you're a singer-songwriter, you're creating your own music. That's a good thing. Um, but you do need to have a look at your situation. Now, you didn't you didn't specify how old you were, but I'm assuming you're a young man, probably early 20s. Um, 
Now, from your family's point of view, you're a singer-songwriter, you're performing on a Friday and Saturday night, but you don't get paid anything for doing open mic. So if you have an album out, or if you've, if you've recorded an album, or you have a single or a CD or something that you're promoting when you're doing your open mics, then you know, you might do two open mics a week and perform your songs. And then at the end of it, you might sell 10 CDs for a fiver and make 50 quid a night. Um, it's still not the same as playing some covers on a Friday or a Saturday and earning 150 quid. But maybe it's uh, it's nice to get paid for playing your own music. That's always a great feeling. Um, so, yeah, I mean... You, from your from your family's point of view, if you're not able to pay your way because you're following your dreams, they're gonna get the ump about it. But um, I think just just honestly, sometimes you have to do a little bit of convincing. I think parents often um, want you to pursue a career and don't see music as being a proper career. And uh, you know, and, and and to be fair, a lot of people perceive music as if you're not famous, you can't make a living out of it. If you're not you know, if you don't, if you're not on top of the pops, you're never going to make any money. But the truth of it is, look, I've I've got a few properties. I've put my kids through um, school. I, they, I've I've paid my way, and I've got mortgages and and paid bills and everything because I played music, and I was never on top of the pops. So, you know, you can earn a, a decent living out of it. You just have to know how to do it. And um, you know, I'd like to have earned more. I'd like to have done more, and I'd like to have been more famous. But I honestly think that you can make a career out of it. It's just how you go about it. So if you if you continue to do the open mics on a Friday, on a Saturday, or whenever it is, Tuesday nights these days, then have something that you can sell at your shows. Because parents and, uh, you know, siblings and stuff like that soon change their tune if if you come home and you plonk 60 quid on the table and you say, that's what I earned tonight. You know, from I, I played my songs and I earned, I sold 12 CDs. So, you know, all of a sudden people say, well, he gets paid for, for playing music. But I always tell people when they start working with me, and, I, and I've, I've met a lot of people over the years, just kids with ambition, and, you know, I want to be famous, I want to do this, I want to I have albums, I just want to be a musician, that's all I want to do. And I always say to them, and I'm telling you the same, Craig, have something to fall back on, mate. Music's a great hobby. When it becomes your job, it's a different thought process. And it's not... Sometimes the fun can go out of it. And if the fun goes out of music, and it's the only thing that you can do, you, know, you could be in trouble, mate. Because, you know, I mean, look at look at all the, the musicians at the moment who don't have anything to fall back on. All they know is singing songs because they that's what they, all they wanted to do. All the people in the theatre, all the people in the West End... That's all I ever wanted to do. And you know what? They lived the dream and now they're living the nightmare because everything's closed down at the moment. So have something to fall back on, Craig. But whatever happens, if you are going to pursue it, sometimes people don't understand. Unless you actually are in this business, it's not always easy to understand why anybody would, as I've said before, load a thousand pounds worth of gear into a 300 pound car to travel 200 miles to earn 100 pounds. It's just something that you do, but there are, music's a passion. And um, follow your dreams, Craig, and write your songs and record your songs, um, hopefully with me, get in touch. But most importantly, follow what you feel is right, but understand 
that you really do need to have something to fall back on. You do need to have something else that you do that just brings some money in because then at least you're meeting everybody in the middle. You're able to say to everybody, hey, look, didn't really work. The music's okay. I can keep it as a hobby. You can get your music out there, sell your CDs, and then, you know, a couple of days a week, just do a bit of work just to bring some money in. So, you know, I wish you well with it, Craig, and I, and I know you'll be all right, mate. It's just a difficult um, a difficult time when you first break into this business to kind of convince everybody that you're doing the right thing. But I promise you um, that if, if you have some CDs to sell, if you start earning a little bit of money, and if you're seen to be earning a bit bit money from somewhere else in order to um, finance your your um, musical career, i.e. you might do a couple of days working somewhere else and from that money you buy yourself a, a really nice guitar or buy yourself a new mic stand and then all of a sudden you know the money you're earning from other things can support your music so yeah get make sure you have something to fall back on but explore your dreams i'm, I'm kind of on the fence with it but your parents are not completely wrong um to tell you to get a proper job because you know that's there's more stability in that that's all they're not trying to cramp your style mate i promise you they're trying to just be sensible and trying to make sure that you do the right thing. Do you have a song in your head? Turn your ideas into full songs. With a team of professional musicians, engineers and producers, we can turn even the simplest demo into full studio quality recordings. Go to www.innovationstudios.com. We're overrunning a little bit today. But I'm going to squeeze this last question, and it's from Brett. Uh, long question, Brett. I'm in a band, and we have musical differences. I feel we should be versatile and explore other genres in order to find further success. But the others only want to stick to being a rock band. I feel that that pigeonholes us a little and holds us back. Have you experienced a similar scenario, or do you have any advice for us? It's mostly covers that we play at the moment, but before we start writing our own material together... I feel it's important to all be on the same page. Thanks in advance, Brett. Um, yeah, musical differences, Brett. I mean, it, everybody wants different things, I think, sometimes. And everybody wants to be a rock star. Everybody wants to be in a rock band. Um, you know, everybody wants to say, we're a rock band, we're a rock band. Um, or we're a rock and roll band. But it depends what you want out of it. I mean, you know, if you if you want to earn money real you know real serious money then you need to be versatile you need to be able to play the heavy stuff but play the play the light stuff as well because you know you might be in a rock band and you might play a lot of venues but fred and marjorie at the, the working men's clubs on a saturday night is where you can earn yourself a couple of hundred quid each you know and some of these places and and all of that money can then go towards the dream and the dream is to write your own stuff and then, of course, get a record deal and things like that. So I'm on the fence with it. I've, I've had this before. People people want different things from, from bands. And that's the, the key to it. Some people want to do it for a living. Some people want to do it as a hobby. Some people can take it or leave it. And some people would die for it. And the answer is that you have to find a common ground somewhere, Brett. Maybe you have to accept that they want to be a bit heavier than you do and maybe they have to accept that you want to be a bit lighter than they do and it's finding a common ground but if your target is to make music together ultimately then you don't know at this 
point whether or not that music's going to even be rock or whether it's even going to be the stuff that you want to to do i think it's good to have two or three different people with two with with different um opinions and and with different musical backgrounds or because that comes together to create that chemistry within the band and and i think maybe you're a bit worried that the songs that you're having in your head or the idea of the band that you want to create will be heavier than you want it to be and maybe they're worried about the songs that 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 you come up with won't be as heavy as they'd like they'd like it to be but the thing is if you take a band like oasis um everybody thinks about oasis being you know the heavy stadium rock and opening with some might say and roll with it and kick it but people forget that wonderwall is a beautifully intricate piece of acoustic guitar people forget that cast no shadow is a beautiful ballad people forget that stop crying your heart out is a beautiful piano ballad so music it's not really about settling on one particular sound it's about you write what you write and everybody puts it together so musical differences happens in every single band every single time for various different reasons um but my advice to you is sit it out for a while you know um, talk about it away from the rehearsal studio as well have a beer go for a coffee talk about things have a, a reasonable idea of where you want it to go, but music's going to surprise you, mate. It's going to take you somewhere you don't expect it. It's going to... The songs maybe are not going to be exactly how you hear them in your head, but you know what? That's not a bad thing sometimes. Sometimes um, when you when you have an idea of a song and then when the band get hold of it, it becomes this different entity, this different thing, a different feeling maybe. So... Just go with the flow for now. I think, to be fair, Brett, the way things are at the moment, it's difficult to even contemplate what's going to happen with music and any band, no matter, at all levels, are probably wondering what's going to happen next. So the most important thing is don't worry about it. And if you're in a band with guys who you, who you can communicate with, then that's the most important thing, that you can communicate and you can talk about it. Um, and, you know, do what's best for the music. Right at the start, somebody asked me about what being a good bandmate was. Simon asked me. And what being a good bandmate is, is to be versatile with your opinions and to be able to listen to somebody else's opinion and to be able to say, oh, I don't know if that'll work, but and to try. You have to throw everything against the wall and see what sticks. And I wish you all well with it, Brett. I really do. And uh, it's always nice for somebody like me to hear that there are young bands out there got to write some music and do something, mate. That, that's the most important thing. But don't worry about that yet. Musical differences are very, very easily sorted out once you write something that's successful or once once you suddenly realise that, um, you know, you start playing a few festivals and people are saying, oh, hang on a minute, you know, have you seen this new band? All of a sudden, the musical differences don't seem to matter. And the other thing with musical differences as well, you make that, make that first album, what happens? The second album, you want to make, sound the first uh, if the first album's successful you want the second album to sound exactly the same and so the same people will buy it and then, so then you become a victim of your own musical differences because you say well I was really happy with how the first album turned out and you write a batch of songs that don't work in that genre and you have to make them work 
because you want the second album to sell the same way as the first album. That's the genius of uh, Oasis. The second album doesn't sound anything like the first album. The first album is in your face. All the guitars cranked up to 11, but the second album has got Wonderwall acoustic guitar, Cast No Shadow acoustic guitar. It's, it's, uh, it's got some different styles on there. Champagne Supernova, it's lots of different styles on there. They were brave enough to do what was best for the song. Brett, thanks for your question. Thanks to everybody for your questions. Happy New Year to you. I look forward to seeing you, or at least talking to you. I know you can't see me. Um, next week on Grassroots. But again, pleasure. Keep your questions coming in. Keep your emails coming in. Keep your lessons coming in. Go to the website. Check out everything. Look, end of story. it's all very showbiz. I'm out of here. But pleasure as always. Chat to you next Friday. A big thank you to everybody for their hard work over the last year. Thanks to everybody for um, listening. And I'll be in touch again very, very soon. I'll chat to you soon. I'm done. See you next week.